How about them Cowboys? That's right. I could say that because you know what? Even when we lose, it's great to be part of the greatest organization on earth. Plus the Eagles loss, which is the same thing as the Cowboys win, regardless of the standings. This is Illegal Shift. I'm here with Jason and we're also here with Jake. We're going to talk sports. We're first responders. Let's go ahead and do it. The growing calls across the nation to defund the just overpowered. Illegal shift on the kicking team. That penalty is refused. First down. Guns up, giddy up, wolf packets. Failure to stop illegal shift. This is the first responder sports show. We probably should have called it the first responder sports show because not a lot of people know what illegal shift is, illegal motion. <laughs> I'm John. I'm a 911 dispatcher. I'm active in the field. As recently as last night, I was dealing with life and death. Speaking of life and death, joining me as always for our fourth episode is Jason Kiever. He's a lieutenant and a, a firefighter out somewhere in uh, the Buckeye State. Uh, Kiefer, how are you doing today, man? I'm all right. A little under the weather, but uh, glad to be here. Glad for consistency of four shows. I I Here like the consi- I like the consistency of your form because last week the allergies were killing you and now some diseases. Yeah, it's it's always something, man. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, woke up this all- morning going into the firehouse, man. I was or day before yesterday and had a freaking fever and cough and it was just terrible. Yeah, I, I think the advice I gave to you was to have your sergeants do the work. I don't know if there are <laughs> firefighter sergeants. It seems like a rank that there you guys are. would skip. Are there? No, there are not. Oh, see, but, I, like, I was right. You guys skipped it. My crew, my crew took care of me though. I, I pretty much laid around and slept, and they kind of handled it. I mean, it, and that's that's what I like about what I do is when somebody is down and out. Usually, you know, people you got people to pick up the load, and then you know it's all reciprocated. So, yeah. it was wasn't a bad shift. But then yesterday morning, I was getting ready to leave, looking forward to lay, laying in my own bed, and <laughs> I ended up getting mandated for overtime for twelve more hours. It's pretty nuts to me that a lieutenant gets mandated. I mean, aren't you an officer? Aren't you someone that doesn't have to do any work and get paid? I thought that's the whole point of being an officer. <laughs> we got a we have a revolving list for each for each unit day. We got three different unit days, and we have a revolving list. And because I was off hurt for so long, I didn't have any overtime. So <laughs> it was my it was my uh, my number got called. So on the, on the worst day, and it was supposed to be supposed to be my last day of the year. Yeah, that. I I feel for you. A lot of people in our audience get get mandated. I know uh, correctional officers, that happens to them a lot. Why aren't there enough firemen? I mean, I thought your job was pretty glorious. You avoided the politics of the last three years. Like, where are all the firemen at? That's just like, it's just like police work. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to be a fireman? No, nobody wants to actually do work. Oh, ever since, ever since COVID where the government's sending you checks. I mean, why, why would you want to, why would you want to go out and actually have to do something? I get it. It's just like uh, the bears in the zoo. Somebody fed them a hot dog, and now they now they, now they don't want to now they don't want to kill the goat they're being fed. I, I get right. you. I, I understand that. Um, we're going to talk some sports though, so I hope you feel better. Uh, if it's a if it's a shorter show, you know that'll happen sometimes. But let, why don't we go ahead and start the show with possibly one of the hottest takes of the year? Uh, Richard Mendenhall. Former running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He played at Super Bowl 33 and 35, I believe. Very well known for fumbling the ball on an important run in Super Bowl 35 against the Packers. I believe they lost that game. Uh, weirdly, I believe during his entire tenure with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, he had a white quarterback who was a Hall of Famer, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Richard Mendenhall lit the internet ablaze this week when he said that. <laughs> He is sick of listening to mediocre football players who are white uh, talk about football. He believes it is unjust for for white players to try to explain to him who is good at football. And as if that was not enough, because it surely would have been, he proposes a racist (laughs) segregation bowl to replace the Pro Bowl. First of all, Richard, the Pro Bowl is dead and gone. Like, believe me, I'm the only person on earth who really loved the Pro Bowl. I love did you really? It, I did. It was a, just a fun game. And you would you would occasionally see some pretty wild stuff in the Pro Bowl. 
I was the last guy that liked it, Jason. If you wanted to know who liked it, I mean, next week I'll wear my national jersey. I literally have like a royal blue NFC jersey. Makes no sense. Nobody appreciates that. But uh, he says, let's replace the Pro Bowl with an all whites versus all blacks game, which leaves no room for like Hispanic players or like Asian players, which do exist, by the way. Uh, Jason, what are your initial thoughts on the idea of having a race bowl? Good idea, bad idea. Take a stance. We talked about this on the one more podcast, and I lost my ever-loving mind when I saw this. I mean, you want to talk about race baiting. I mean, if race baiting had a definition, <laughs> that's it right there. Richard Mendenhall was a decent player, in my opinion. I haven't looked at all his stats and done a, you know, done a complete comparison, but he was pretty good. You have to be good to get into the league, no doubt. But for him to call out, so you're saying that Troy Aikman doesn't know what he's talking about as he's color commentating? I get that he he comes off that way. He was Troy Aikman definitely played in the era in which concussions were okay, but Troy Aikman knows something about it. Keep yeah, going. he knows he knows what he's doing. I don't mind listening to Troy Aikman. He knows what he's doing. Tony Romo knows what he's doing. Definitely. Ironically, not just because they're Dallas guys, but the you know, those are the first two white guys that I that came to mind. And this clown saying that I'm tired of white people that don't know how to play the game. And I can't remember exactly how he worded. It was almost a little bit of ebonics in the statement that I read, very, very ignorantly wrote. And then he proposes an all white, all black Pro Bowl. Well, if we don't have enough separation in this country right now, let's just go ahead and throw one more thing on it. Not, not only that, but it, it actually wouldn't solve anything. Uh, I hate to say that I actually have experience with like a, a racist game, but when I worked in prison, there was actually a time when uh, they divided up the teams by race, which was probably actually more of a gang beef than anything. But <laughs> right. so all the white players took on this team of another race uh, without saying what they were. And I actually think that they were just a generalized colored team because where I live, there are not a lot of people of most people are people without color. I'll just say that of the, of the, of the state that I live in. So it was like a Kabai doll pro, not white team. But uh, I think they also like uh, believed themselves to be some, some set of the gangster disciples. But anyway, so I love, I love JJ Watts statement. I don't, I don't know if you read that or not. He goes, all right, so hypothetically this happens. He goes, the white team's going to get burned in the secondary all day. <laughs> well, that's, cause, that's because they won't have one. I mean, I mean, there hasn't, there hasn't been a, a white cornerback since like 2002. But anyway, the, the, the Wonder Bread team takes on the Gangster Disciples, and I don't know the final score because I wasn't keeping score. But wouldn't you know it, like one team was kind of butthurt about losing, and it didn't <laughs> settle anything because after that there were like, there were there was weeks of fighting like gang gang stuff uh big brawls mini riots happening in the shower room so for, <laughs> folks i know that you think having having a, a football game to settle our race problem in this country alleged race problem you think that that will solve anything but really the losers are just going to be mad and say well best two out of three <laughs> and then when they lose two out of three they're gonna be like okay well how about full-on helter skelter like race war the style of Charles Manson, like that's that's what Charles Manson wanted, and it's actually kind of ironic that Richard Mendenhall's kind of asking for the fo pro football equivalent of that. We could call it the Helter Skelter Bowl or something. Um, I just I don't know where why he thinks that he should be taking to the internet and saying these things. The other thing is like Richard Mendenhall talking about all these other these commentators being average. Do you ever think about Richard Mendenhall like in the annals of great running backs? It's like there's so many great ones. Like he doesn't make the top 10, I wouldn't think. Does Richard Mendenhall figure in your top 10? No, no, not at all. I um, mean, Jim Brown, uh, Emmett Smith, uh, Walter Payton, Walter Payton, Barry yeah. Sanders. Uh, who's the guy that played for the Jets? Curtis Martin. Oh, yeah, yeah. OJ Simpson, just for the infamy of it. You know, like, where does Richard Mendenhall, like, you could tell I was not leading up to Richard Mendenhall. Like, after that, you just get into, like, pure statistics. Right. So He's been out of the league for seven years. Yes, and is irrelevant for seven years. But what the most yeah. remarkable thing about it is, is that, you know, uh, 
most of the sports media is not really touching this at all. You have some websites. I know Fox News reported on it, but I, I don't, you know, I don't have cable. That I don't. The cable doesn't exist where I live. They actually, you know, just they, they won't run cables out here. But uh, I, I don't think that uh, ESPN is necessarily massively covering this. I just, I thought it was interesting. Should we get a third perspective on it? We can break in, bring in uh, our 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 local. Uh, Buffalo Bills correspondent Jake Motherfucker Welder. We can have him on to see what he thinks about Richard Mendenhall. Uh, welcome to the floor, uh, the man of mystery and darkness, uh, Sergeant Jake Welder. Jake, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I, I don't even know who Richard Mendenhall is. So, F- FYI, he ranks number ten in the Pittsburgh Steelers career rushing leaders. So he's only 10 on the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Franco Harris, Jerome Bettis, Willie Parker, Le'Veon Bell, John Henry Johnson, Frank Pollard, Dick Hoke, Barry Foster, Rocky Blyer, and then Richard. So you're number that's 10, good. dude, in your team. Shut yeah, up. That's not, that's not that good. No. No. <laughs> fucking clown. Jake, uh, what, what do you think about the idea of a, of a racist, uh, racist purple? <laughs> I mean that's I, that's got to be good for like some laughs, right? Or do you think it will heal this country, or will it finally settle the debate that black people are better at football? Well, like you said, I mean we have uh, we try to avoid racial stuff all the time, especially working in the jail. But it's like that's how everybody breaks themselves up. Like if they're in a house, you know, a house of uh, cell block on the tier or whatever, they break themselves up by race. And yeah, it doesn't solve anything. I, I think doing that in football is just going to, it'll end up being more of like a, a shower fight than an actual game. I don't think it would solve anything. And I don't think it's going to, um, <laughs> I just think it's a ridiculous premise. You know what I picture? <laughs> what I picture when, when I first saw that all white, all black Pro Bowl, the beginning scene of The Last Boy Scout where the running back or the guy's running down toward the goal line and then just pulls out a gun and just starts fucking shooting. That's what I picture. Uh, that that or there's an old uh, Steve Martin sketch on Saturday Night Live about, about a football player from 100 years ago, and uh, he would play halfback or whatever. That was the, essentially he was a quarterback. The center would throw uh, send in the ball. And as the as the rushing pass rush would come at him, he would take out a revolver, and no one no one would no one would tackle him. Obviously, and he would run all the way down the field. And the the rest are just like, well, it ain't against the rules, you know. There's nothing you can do. Um, I think it, I think it would be something like that. But you know, ironically, is that Richard Mendenhall has something to learn in spite of himself, and that's what it is: is that this country can take the best of everyone and be even better. Like. If you even wanted to say and you wanted to gather somehow some sort of data, which would be irrefutable, which we never could get, that black players are better at football than than white players, uh, you're, you're still not looking at football as the complimentary game it is. The reason why I love football is because it takes all kinds of people to play it. Look at the people who play it. Like Deuce Vaughn, he's under four feet tall. That guy's tiny. Like he he literally like rides in another player's pocket on the way to the stadium. On the other hand, you have like Fridge Perry, who's like, he's like 400 pounds of fat and he scored the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. So like it takes all different kinds of players. I mean, it literally says that on the field. It takes all of us, Richard. Uh, But when he's making it sound, he's making it sound like the announcers because he's mad that white people talk about football on TV. We've got Richard Sherman. You've got, you know, Michael Strahan when he did it. I mean, you have all these, you, ha- you have people of color that are doing it. So it's not just an all white club. Mm-hmm. And granted, not everybody knows what they're talking about. And I get that. And there are some people that I will turn the volume down because I don't want to listen to their. Phil you know, Sims, who's a white guy, I won't listen to him. Exactly. So it's just, it's just an ignorant statement that just didn't need to be made, in my opinion. Right. And Chris and Collinsworth. Have, oh, God. Chris Collinsworth, exactly. But you also, I hate him. But you have Shannon Sharp, you have uh, Stephen A. Smith. There's a lot of black people who talk about football and do it successfully. And I don't believe that Stephen A. Smith ever played a game of football, but people are listening to him. So you, you'll listen to Stephen A. Smith say who who's good at football without him having even the Richard Mendenhall experience. So yeah. I, don't, I, I think maybe he just watched too many Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson games. And I think I think maybe, you know, he was... 
you know, having some purple drink or something, uh, have, have a little bit of codeine, <laughs> and you decide to pick up, like, I'm, I'm going to take my racist Pro Bowl idea to the internet and see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> no, I, there's ways that we can save the Pro Bowl without making it like a forum to settle race. And, and I, I just think, um, you know, if you actually want to look at the history of football and racism, uh, the, the Washington Redskins were the last team to be integrated, and they only did so under a, a court order uh, from Robert Kennedy Jr. saying, well, if you're leasing federal property at, uh, at the stadium here, you have to integrate your team. And the Redskins were a terrible team for many, many years. It is because they would not take any black players. So we know black people are good at football. Black mm. people at playing football, it, it, in spite of what people like Colin Kaepernick say, this is a place not of slave trading, but of where someone can be gifted and go out and make millions of dollars. And and in the NFL and football in general, it's a true meritocracy where we say, well, we're not going to check your diversity, inclusivity, and, and all this. We're going to take whoever's best for this. You have to go out there and prove it every day, as Tony Romo says. So if you're the best, no one's going to no one's going to hold up the Peter Griffin paint card to your skin and say, what color are you to be in this game? We're going to take the best. Yeah, and if you're good, you and, get paid. And we have black commentators, Richard. So I'm not sure what you're talking about at all, but. The whole race, racist Pro Bowl game has to be the worst take ever. Uh, <laughs> Jason, final thoughts on that? <laughs> take this graphic off the screen. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get off the screen. Unfortunately, uh, for for our next uh, episode, for our next thing that we're talking about, I picked a very terrible picture of Demonte Casey. If you're just <laughs> listening to this, somebody took a photo of him like mid blink. <laughs> it makes it look like. Like he, uh, like he's blind, or like someone just asked him a question that's beyond him. But his Looks eyebrows like he just got out of Snoop Dogg's car. Yes, his eyebrows are furrowed <laughs> very high, but his eyes are very squinty. Uh, let's talk about Demonte Casey being suspended for the rest of the season uh, based off of a hit that he laid on a Michael Pittman Jr. with the Colts this past weekend. I watched it. Um, Jason and I were talking before the show that there's really only one angle of the hit. Uh, I have my theories for that, but. Uh, it's being uh, it's being said that uh, that it was a, a bad or a dirty hit. He's suspended for the rest of the year, and Tom Brady's defending it. Jason, what are your initial thoughts? I can play the video if you like. The the one angle makes it hard for me to to really be able to analyze it. But as we were talking, people kneeling on the field immediately. I mean, and it it was vicious. I mean, it was a vicious hit. But obviously, the NFL has more angles than we've seen, so. I don't believe that they would have, because at first, to me, it didn't look dirty. It looked like he moved his head and he hit him with a shoulder pad. But obviously, there's people that are watching this, you know, watching different angles, and they wouldn't have suspended him indefinitely for the rest of the season if they didn't have the evidence. So that one angle, it's very hard for me to to say one way or the other, but obviously people that are getting paid to do these things felt that it was justified. But the guy's got a history. So I think that yeah, plays into it. Well, I mean, the game was being broadcast by the NFL network, which uh, you have to remember the, you know, that's not exactly the same thing as NBC or CBS broadcasting the game. And they're just trying to, to show the game. The NFL is obviously maybe protecting their interests there. Uh, there's been controversy, you know, ginned up controversy about the violence of football and whether it's a safe game to play for 20 years now thereabouts and uh, the NFL only stands to lose from seeing another, another uh, player like uh, who's the guy from the bills, Jake DeMar Hamlin. Mm -hmm. they, they only stand to lose from having another, another DeMar Hamlin case. So I don't think they wanted to show the replay on it because as he was laying there, they were kind of worried that like, well, is his neck broken? Is he going to die when we try to put him on the gurney? You know, what's going to happen here? So in those cases, and, 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 and I think it's the right thing to do in terms of human, human dignity. You wouldn't want to show someone being uh, gruesomely or terribly injured like that. Well, uh, can, can, I hit, can I hit the DeMar Hamlin thing just real quick? Because go ahead. that was here in Cincinnati. We were watching it live. And they didn't cut away fast enough to where, and I knew guys that were the first responders on the field that were actually doing CPR. I know the guy that actually tubed DeMar Hamlin in the back of the ambulance, a very good friend of mine. But we saw on TV where they were doing CPR before they cut away. And that, and we were talking, you know, Jill and I were talking, if you've never seen CPR being done in real time, it's gruesome. If you're doing it correct, it's gruesome. Rip and break. Yeah. And most of most normal non first responders 
and you know how many millions of people you know watch Monday Night Football. It was Monday or Thursday. I can't, I can't remember which which day that was. It was a primetime game. This the Monday night game with the Bills. It was a Monday night game, I believe. Yeah. So I mean, how many how many millions of people were watching that and got to see that? So I think after that, they they kind of got to the point of something really bad. We're just not going to go back to it at all. Yeah, I I remember watching that game, and I was you know they just kind of sh- kept showing shots of the stadium from the blimp, and then you have uh, Troy Aikman and Troy and uh, Joe Buck. They're just like, well, we've never been in this situation before. Uh, has there been any updates in the last 40 minutes? No, there has not. And they just, they, they cut, they did the best they could do in that situation, but yeah, that was awful. you don't want to, you don't want to reshow that with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and reshow the hit on Michael Pittman Jr. This time. Let's show it again. Just because like I said, there's not a better angle. Lays him out. Yeah, he kind of goes limp like his strings have been cut. He is still conscious. He rolls over there. Uh, The reason why I've got another uh, uh, sort of a DeMonte Casey's greatest or worst hits, as you could put it, is because we don't have that second angle. I think it's also important where if you're going to suspend DeMonte Casey for the rest of the season, uh, we need to know a little bit something about this player. They said he's been warned before. Uh, so let's go ahead and, and watch a, a hit that he put on Cam Newton when he was playing for the Patriots. So if Cam Newton on a fourth and four, he's going to scramble six for five, it. 250, but you know he's going to end up sliding. You have to keep your head up, and you cannot make contact helmet to helmet. It's a huge point of emphasis this year. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if they're not looking at potentially throwing him out of the game for this hit. Which they can do now. And that play there would have been very easy to keep your head up. Yeah. I mean, Grant, I'm not, I'm, not an, I'm not an NFL player. I'm not running at, you know, 20 miles an hour, you know, adrenaline pumping. But Newton's on the ground already. You, you can completely lift your head yeah. and avoid that. I, I misspoke. He was still playing for the Panthers at that time. But what, what was interesting about that is, yeah, there's no reason for your head to be in that play at all. He's giving himself up. He's sliding forward. The play's over wherever mm-hmm. the slide begins. All he has to do is physically make contact with him. And uh, I, I get that it's all happening in a fraction of a second. And when you're hard charging at somebody, it's hard to uh, to have your brain update that quick to say, well, you know, I have to make sure I'm not tackling the guy or whatever. But on a slide when you know the quarterback is probably going to slide, the quarterback's not going to lower his shoulder and try to plow you down or, or take your hit or spin around you. Uh, he, he lowers himself down. I think that there's enough time there. And even, and even if he doesn't really compute what's happening, uh, he should realize the player's down and to just to not draw a, a penalty. You know, if, if you can really get penalized, obviously, if it's the quarterback, but any other player, he should just be touching him. Uh, we, Jake, talk every, we talk every week about, not us, but like, you know, watching football with your buddies or whatever, and, and you see a bad hit like that, you're taught in Pop Warner to keep your head up. And these guys are professionals. They've been playing for years and years and years at a very high level. And how guys lead with their head is just beyond me. I just, I can't, I can't fathom it. To fathom it further, let's watch the final clip of him uh, <laughs> going after Chris Oglave, which happened, I believe, during uh Possibly uh, jam right there. Twenty twenty one. There he is, right there to the That's a great call. I mean, what a physical battle that is. But I mean, you got to dig out the turf out of your head. But you know that perfect little hole you're trying to hit. How's it pronounced? Olave. Olave, the cheese yeah. silent. He was a. I don't think there's a G in it. I definitely wrote the letter G. I know you wrote the letter G. <laughs> he was he no. was a he was a Ohio State Buckeye. Chris Olave. Olave. Sure, it wasn't Oglave. <laughs> it says here he changed his name to Oglave in 2021. <laughs> the G the G is silent. It doesn't say that. I put in a G for no reason. I apologize like, for the. It's it's like jogging and yogging. Yes, exactly. Mm. I apologize to the friends and family of Chris Oglay for throwing a G into his name. I when think you that was the it, 20- it, it threw me off because I was like, who, who the fuck is that? Chris and once I saw well, it. No. You know, I'm not perfect, guys. I was probably... No, you're good. That I was, was a probably, great highlight reel. 
It was great. Yes, I made the highlight reel too. Actually, I just that was all CGI. That was from when uh, <laughs> that was from when uh, Andy Dalton was playing for the Saints. So I think that was 2021, if I had to guess. But the point is, is that uh, uh, KZ's had a few of these now, and you know, I get that one or two are going to happen in your career, especially if you're a a, a big time uh, safety. Uh, where you're, you want to lay out these hits, you want to be the hardest hitting safety in the league. Uh, but it seems like it's happening one too many times, and, and now he's suspended for the rest of the season. The main reason I wanted to talk about this is we have Tom Brady now defending him. Now, this is going to be divisive, right? Because you and I, and possibly Jake, we all want the game to be played in its purest form, which is a more violent game. We accept that there's some risks going on. We want to see... Uh, the men conquering each other with violence. That's the conceit of football. And the league is sort of, uh, you know, watering it down over the years, making it less of what it, it was uh, back when it was conceived as by Newt Rockney and Walter Camp and Paul Brown and others. And uh, so we, we see the game being watered down. We see plays like this. We think this is true football. Tom Brady's defending him saying, you know, we shouldn't put it all on uh, on onto the defenders. The defenders already have so many rules going against them. We all know that the NFL has many rules which favor the offense. The uh, the NFL likes seeing high scoring games. Defense pretty much has one hand tied behind their back in terms of what they're allowed to do. But what was interesting is he actually blamed uh, the quarterback uh, Gardner Minshew. Tom Brady was going out there and saying, "Well, it's on Minshew because the way that he threw the ball, he ought to know not to put his receivers in some kind of danger." Which I'm not sure how you can really anticipate. Maybe you can, uh, you know, the way that he throws the ball, or the timing of the ball, or uh, it, whenever the players at a certain point in the route, or uh, whether or not that player is truly open based on on the the defensive backs covering him. He was trying to lay it at, at, at Gardner Minshew, and I, and I'll just say this, Jason, and I'll let you have your your word and Jake too. Isn't that kind of a low-key humble brag to say, well, this is G Gardner Minshew uh, being a bad quarterback because if I had been there, I would not have thrown the ball that way and Michael Pittman Jr. would never never been hit in that fashion if I was the one throwing the ball. That's how I took it. I, th I mean, I think Tom Brady just needs to stay out of it. It has nothing to do with you. Let it go. But I'm tired of, I'm tired of Tom Brady as a white man telling me how to play football. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't completely disagree with him though because if you see tenured quarterbacks and Minshew has been in the league and he, and he's played a lot of games don't get me wrong but when you have a Tom Brady or we'll just rewind like a Joe Montana like elite quarterbacks you typically don't see them lead their receivers into no man's land and without seeing that play you know the the Pittman play again I mean did he lead him into no man's land I don't know but you do see these younger quarterbacks trying to make that play, trying to advance the ball that it may not, you know, take into account what, uh, you know, a 10-year starter might do. I mean, I don't know if he's right. I don't know if he's wrong. I mean, I'm not trying to be a fence rider, but we, I mean, we do see rookie quarterbacks and a couple of year-end quarterbacks. You see guys just get fucking smashed. And it's like, why would you throw that ball to him? But I don't, I don't have enough information. I mean, I saw the play, but it was real quick. You know, live and then on your replays, but I will say that that Gardner Minshew is not Tom Brady in that he doesn't have the security of his job and he's more likely to take a risk. If you're in that split yeah. second and you have to decide, hey, I could possibly get a big completion here for a first time to help me win this game, help us help the team win, help me keep, help all of us keep our jobs. You're that changes your whole decision making process when exactly. you take that risk. You say, well, there's, you know, he might, he, the, the defensive back might miss, or he might just grab him around the shoulders, or it might be uh, grab him around the waist or something, or maybe he'll break away and go for a touchdown. I mean, that's the hope every time you throw the ball. So, but I, I just think that when, when Tom Brady throws the ball, it's like, well, if it doesn't get caught or if, if nothing good comes out of this, you're still fucking Tom Brady and no one's ever going to get rid of you. Whereas it's, it's just a, deci a different decision matrix for Gardner Minshew because he doesn't have the safety and security that other players have. Jake, what do you think? yeah i mean i i it's the dichotomy of like like you said wanting to watch the game and watch some smash mouth uh football watch some people that are out there to play the game and in its purest form but also you know there's no reason to be savage and just you know take somebody out of the game nobody wants to see injuries as much as you want to win a game you don't want to see somebody carted out on a stretcher or in an ambulance so and also, you know, Tom Brady's comments, I'm, I'm like, this This is making me uh, 
think that when Chris Collingsworth, his comments, I'm like, man, is that is that how Tom Brady's going to be whenever he finally decides to broadcast? It's like, oh my god, it's a glimpse into the future next of, year. Yeah, of more people just hating Tom Brady. Um, and it reminds me of Tom Brady. If you have you ever seen that clip of him during the like, um, it was some kind of combine around the Pro Bowl, or it was uh, with the quarterbacks, and he's trying to hit the targets like all the other quarterbacks, and he's missing all the targets. And this is his like rookie combine or whatever. So it's oh, like, oh okay. yeah, yeah, that was a rookie Pro Bowl, like the the quarterback. Yeah, game. yeah, yep. the quarterback games. So. You know, it's like, okay, well, you want to talk about this now after you've had this career and whatever and criticize, you know, Minshew on this, you know, is it because you're jealous of his mustache or <laughs> you just want to be, you just want to be relevant? You know, I, uh, I, I have mixed feelings on it, but I'm also not a, a Tom Brady fan. Just, just his choices overall, the cheating that goes on in the game and stuff. And it's like, you know, there. I I would rather uh, lose a game than uh, compromise my principles. That's just, and I mean, the same thing I do professionally. So, um, that's basically my take on his comments. Is I I don't really I don't really care for it. But um, after seeing the multiple hits, unnecessary hits, and things like that, I understand. You know, um, where the NFL's going with this. That this wasn't just an isolated incident. Now, if this was just the first time he'd hit somebody. I, I would have a problem with it. Uh, I don't think an honest mistake should take you out for the season, but, but yeah, when you're, you're playing like that consistently over um, a long period, um, then, you know, maybe they need to go through the progressive states of punishment. I mean, that's what we do professionally. It starts off with a conversation and ends up with a suspension. So progressive. Yeah. I think too that there's just there's too many rules governing uh, how defensive players play. Uh, it's already I think cornerback is probably the hardest position to play on the field, uh, just because you have to stick so close to that receiver, you can't read his mind. You have to find some way to interrupt the passing game uh, or to intercept the ball, and uh, you you can't govern that really in terms of rules because your body and your muscles are reacting in response to what your brain is is taking in in terms of your, your sensory input. So I think, I think if we're seeing rough play from individuals, I think it would be better if we just dealt with those individuals rather than the team. I don't like seeing, uh, I don't like seeing, uh, you know, personal fouls and things like that. You know, I get that we have to have some rules like, you know, leading with the crown or whatever, just because that is so uh, dangerous and so bad for players. But I guess I would like to see fewer rules and I would like to, I wouldn't mind seeing lower scoring games just because I like good defense. Um, before we well, go with, to the with, go with, ahead. Him, with him having you know having a history, I mean you have to remember I'm a Bengals fan, so we had Vontez Perfect that was a, a repeat, repeat, repeat offender, a beast of a, you know a beast of a linebacker, but could not get the mechanics down to to not hurt people. So he was he was a little bit like uh, he was your own version of Indomikatsu, where he was just. Uh, yep. You would see him play, and, and you would see him be vicious, and you would see, and you would see him hurt people. And, and a part of you, a part of you, when I watched him play, I would get like excited. I'm like, this is like, this is what I want to see. This is like Mean Joe Green shit. You know, I want to see an, an NFL player who's clearly vested in it. But, but with uh, the and with the rules the way they are, that stupid non mechanical plays to get the flag cost us a playoff, a playoff win over the Steelers that we we had the game won, and you know we had two stupid you know penalty you know penalties one one by him and one by pac-man yeah. that i mean but we saw we saw it here repeatedly we we're like oh vontez what are you doing again like <laughs> you're yeah, in the principal's we, office again are you shitting me yeah it's and, not good defense when you're handing uh you know uh yards to the to the other team by way of penalties jake well when you were talking about low scoring games were you talking about the cowboys offense this week I was about to get. Oh, don't laugh at that. That was not was even waiting. a good joke. I was. If he has a good joke, I'll laugh at it, but not that one. Before I get to the best part of the show, and I'm ready for you, uh, let's talk about our sponsors. Uh, let's talk about Ghostbed, folks. This show is brought to you by Ghostbed. Failure to stop has been supported by them since way back at the beginning. Ghostbed is a wonderful company. It's their mission to make uh, quality and affordable mattresses available to everyone on the earth. Go to their website. Go to 
ghostbed.com. Use the offer code Wolfpack. You can get 40% off of whatever you find there, whether it's their adjustable beds, uh, their proprietary cooling technology pillows. Uh, whatever it is you find there, you can use the offer code Wolfpack. I know it's the Christmas season. If you go over there and they've got a better deal going, don't be a chump. Get the better deal. Uh, take whatever you could find there. But when you check out, put in the comments section, put in their Wolfpack or failure to stop so they know that we sent you. It's uh, the fourth quarter. Uh, come down to the end of the game. Uh, we need to win this one. So let's show Ghostbed that uh, failure to stop's audience is someone that's going to invest in their sponsors and they will invest in us so we can keep going. I've said this before. I don't want to be a slave in 2024. Uh, so go over there and uh, inspire our sponsors to keep uh, promoting us. Yeah, they got great deals over there, 0% down, 0% financing. Uh, and they make it so easy that if you have uh, the credit of a Buffalo Bills fan, you can go in there and you can get what you need to get. Uh, so go over there and uh, remind them that you're there because uh, Ghostbed is the only company in America whose mattresses are made in the good old USA. 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 Guys, that was anemic. It was just terrible. <laughs> uh, all right. So you guys need something to eat. Let's get you some Factor Meals. Uh, Factor Meals is also a proud sponsor of Failure to Stop. We're proud to be partnered with Factor Meals. Folks, it is also late in the year. Like I said, it's the fourth quarter. Uh, you're at a two-minute drill before Christmas. You don't have a lot of time to be driving around through the city, dealing with all the hectic traffic, trying to get to the grocery store, trying to get to Chick-fil-A. Just go straight home from work or from wherever you are. It's, you've had a hard day as a first responder, uh, pulling people out of cars or whatever you're doing. Just go home. Have a nice meal waiting for you there. This is not a frozen meal. This is not a hungry man dinner that you're going home to. This is fresh food that's prepared by chefs. They have uh, over 300 items on their menu. You can pick it all out in advance. A treat to yourself in the future from the thoughtful self of you of the past. You can go pick out a wonderful meal. You can choose how often it's delivered to your house. It comes to your house fresh, not frozen. You throw it in the fridge. Uh, you can microwave those. In two minutes, you're going to have a, a meal just like what mom cooked for you. It's definitely worth it to go over there. Use the offer code WOLFPACK50. Get 50% off. Uh, let them know that uh, Failure Stop sent you. We believe that uh, Factor Meals has uh, signed a new contract with us. That could be the case. that They're going to be with us for a while, and we're happy about it because Factor Meals is delicious. I know that many people who listen to the show are listening to Factor Meals. I have had Factor Meals brought to my house. It's a great way to live. It's a great way to take care of yourself. Uh, in, in the era of Bidenomics and the era of not having any time because it's Christmas time, the best time is is now to get Factor Meals. So check it out. Save yourself a little time. Save yourself a little frustration and give it a shot. And uh, thanks to Factor Meals for supporting Failure to Stop. Let's talk about what everyone wants to talk about. Bills fans rejoicing because they beat the Dallas Cowboys in a regular season game. And it is their emotional equivalent to winning a Super Bowl, which will never actually happen. They think that this game is very, very big because they've never won the biggest game before. So for them, this is as good as a feeling as they've ever had, which has to make you feel depressed. So if you have a Buffalo Bills fan in your life, and by the way, they're not locked in to go to the playoffs, make sure you check on them because this is going to be a very, very depressing season for the Buffalo Bills. Jake, I'm happy to take your shots. And then if you actually want to like discuss the game, I'm ready. Go ahead. <laughs> well, well, thank you for uh, bringing us back to slavery. It's been almost 30 minutes since that was mentioned, so that was nice. Also, I'm I'm going to need your uh, shoelaces and your belt um, as a Cowboys Why? fan after that I game. I feel good. <laughs> I, that, what, it, so we lost a game. So what? I mean, we, we lose games sometimes that we weren't going to win out the rest of the season. That's the NFL. The Bills are a good team. I never, I never claimed that they weren't. But I don't, I don't feel depressed about this. For me, the bigger test is really going to be the Vic Fangio defense over there in Miami next week. Uh, you know, that's going. They're they're a better team than the Bills are. So, what our postseason hopes are going to be is really going to depend on the outcome of that Miami game. <laughs> well, I, I, say, I was thinking, I was thinking of both of you. <laughs> Watch you. Why did why did you call me? Because so I wouldn't you, have answered. You specifically told me how you are when you watch Cowboys game. And that was not the game that I was going to call you on. I, I wasn't that upset. So there's a lot that was not going well for the Cowboys. Let's first of all acknowledge that uh, Josh Allen did a great job. Didn't turn over the ball even one time. Is that correct, Jake? Yes. And uh, he also, also didn't have to do a lot. There was a lot of running game. There was a lot. Seven, James, seven James for 15 with 94 yards. That's Adam. what I was going to say. So seven of 15, 94 yards, 6.2 yards per attempt, which is minus one yard from his average. This is a 10% lower completion percentage. I think that the weather did have an impact on the game. There's no mm -hmm. excuses for this loss. First of all, I want to say that all the things I'm going to talk about are merely analysis. Okay. It's never okay. 
to have the weather impact whether or not you can win. I do think the Bills are a little bit more suited to play in that. I think out, out there in Orchard Park, they're playing in, in that kind of weather and worse all the time, whereas the Cowboys yeah. are an indoor team. So that figures into it. Uh, so the Bills played well. I think the defense for the Cowboys was uh, problematic at best. I think after that first drive where the Bills just drove them all the way back off the field, they should have, like, you know, changed what their approach was going to be. They seemed to be using the nickel defense even when uh, the Bills were bringing out the heavy personnel packages. It was obviously they were going to be trying to push forward there. Um, what was going wrong for the Cowboys? Well, we were out uh, a safety, so we have uh, players uh, playing free safety where they're not normally playing. We're also missing defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins, who's normally uh, uh, kind of critical for us stopping the run. Um, we had uh, a lot of penalties. Uh, penalties is something I want to discuss in, in a broader context because we do talk about how the refs uh, are not doing a good job every week. It's I, it's hard because like I think that, that the impact of this game but because I'm at a disadvantage this week of trying to blame the refs for the loss, it's harder for me to talk about what's going on with the refs in a bigger context. That doesn't make it look like I'm trying to cover up something in terms of deficit of the play. But I'll, I'll say this about the refs, and then I'll just have this statistic lie there. Micah Parsons has been a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year for his pass rushing abilities all year and last year. He has not drawn a holding penalty in two months. How is it that you can be this good and no one's ever holding you at any point in any of those plays? I'm going to throw that out there. Uh, going back to defensive penalties, I think the, the personal foul on J. Ron Curse, I'm not sure I, I agree with that. Again, I have some skin in the game, so I'm not sure you really want to hear what I have to think about that J. Ron Curse penalty. Um, I also didn't like uh, when uh, Dak Prescott took a helmet-to-helmet hit and, and there was no penalty flag thrown for that. What was too bad about that is that you had Zach Martin our right tackle go out there uh, and, uh, you know, belly bump some guy uh, to stand up for his quarterback, which is nice to see in terms of loyalty, but uh, the, it completely undid the penalty uh, mm. yardage from the, the play before. So I it was too like bad to see that. <clears throat> Finally, um, you know, a lot of things just didn't go our way when we were driving before the end of the half. We had to settle for a field goal because uh, we, we couldn't punch it in. And uh, then there was also that 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 close call with the block punt. I think if we if we had hit, if he had actually blocked the ball, I don't think that that would have been a roughing uh, the kicker call. So I think I think there was a. I don't think we would have won the game, but I think it would have been closer if if the ball had just bounced the other direction a few times. We did we did get force a couple punts, so the defense is there. But like I said, the real test is going to be next week. Uh, Miami's a fast team. Uh, they're well known for putting up points on the board with with their selection running backs. We'll see if Tyreek Hill is even playing next week. But uh, the the Dolphins are, are are sort of a version of what the 49ers are doing, uh, kind of a Shanahan style uh, team. So I I'm excited for this game because if we can go out and win it, it means that we have finally proved that we can stop the run, which is what we need to do. And if we can't, it's just like well, you know, it's kind of like schedule the date on the wild card round that we're going to go out on. Uh, yeah. Jake, uh, I, I would well have never, played. I, would have never I, guessed I think you were or what it was. Yeah. Jake, Jake, well played. I think you were, I think because I, I wasn't on my phone, I think you were worried that I was actually like angry with you or that I was such a petty person that like our friendship legitimately <laughs> was over. Did that occur to you at any point? No, I just, I just wanted to give you some space, you know, some people, some people need support, some people need space, you know, I, I'm familiar with uh, emo emotional turmoil, uh, working in corrections, so and, and I didn't, I didn't, man. right, I didn't want to, I didn't want to push you over the edge, uh, you mentioned the Super Bowl, uh, one, I thought one interesting t statistic I heard from uh, the New York Times, they said that uh, their sports, uh, it was referenced, I believe, on ESPN, but they said that no team that's lost by 10 digits in December in the last 10 years has even made it to a Super Bowl. So that's got to be concerning as a as a uh, Cowboys fan. Also, I, um, I would say it's concerning unto itself, but not because of the record, because history doesn't define the future. We're always this is true. This is true. It also Jason, took go four ahead. I just said that's just one of the most obscure stats that I've ever heard. That's that's right. very obscure. You could tell it's ESPN reaching for a reason to make the Cowboys <laughs> look and feel bad. Uh, did well, that come from the mouth of Stephen A. Smith or was it Max an, Kellerman? An, another uh, statistic was it took 42 minutes and 12 seconds for the Cowboys to make it into the end zone. So I think yeah. uh, that, definitely, that shows. 
They definitely struggled. I, I think, you know, they're strong at home. They're seven and zero at home and uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're not doing as well on the road. I think the reason for that is when they go out and they're playing and they're not having the home field advantage and they're dealing with uh, the noise from the crowd, from yeah. the away team or the home team. Uh, I think they simplify their off offense. They're cutting down on a lot of uh, pre-snap motions and shifts. And I think they're doing this to simplify things, but because they simplify the offense, they also take away a lot of their explosiveness. So I think they're playing a little bit too conservatively. I, and I think the reason why they get rid of, they're trying to get rid of these things because they don't want pre-snap penalties, right? Well, as it turns out, you're getting penalized anyway. So you might as well, you might as well give yourself the gift of explosiveness and creativity back and go ahead and go out there and do what you're going to do. But it, it just seemed like they were playing very conservatively. I'm not sure if that was specifically because of the rain or if it just was because when they go on the road, they seem to simplify their offense, but that just seemed well, to be and, how it went. And I made note of some of the inactives too, from uh, the bills. We, ha- we were missing safety, Micah Hyde, uh, defense, your favorite AJ Epinesa, who's, who's my second man crush. Now that, uh, <laughs> it, now that um, Milano is out for the season um puna ford or defensive tackle and a couple others were missing yet still um we were able to hold um you know uh what's his name micah for the cowboys parsons micah parsons Parsons. yeah you were able to hold really had very yeah had very little very little effect and i will say as far as the penalties i noticed when i'm watching the game they keep showing like face masks getting contacted by both teams and like cutting the clip really quickly and pu- pulling the camera away. And it was almost like there was a concerted effort by the refs and the NFL. Well, um, let's talk about they want to, they want to not show these things because they don't want to have controversial wanna, calls or they no don't want, calls. they don't want, they don't want the refs not calling. They don't want the evidence to be so yeah. plain for everyone at home. I'll say this they don't want the, illegal shift to question them again. They don't. They don't. <laughs> they, that's us. We're the ones who are changing the league. Uh, yes. Yeah, all with, with our 132 <laughs> views on YouTube. Um, Speaking of, of views, no, at one point, uh, Damian Wilson had uh, forced a turnover and the Bills uh, went to hurry up so that it couldn't be challenged. Uh, the uh, the Cowboys inexplicably mm. were waiting for the Fox broadcast of the game so they could see what happened. And uh, the video replay people there at Orchard Park uh, somehow didn't have the decency to replay the, the play <laughs> on the field. So people are asking, why didn't Mike McCarthy challenge? It's just because that was a big risk to take by challenging it. And uh, I think if he had known how the game was going to turn out, he would have. But, you know, we're, we're for whatever reason, we're waiting on the Fox replay to show us exactly what happened uh, in the stadium. And I, and obviously Wilson came up with the ball and the refs uh, gave it back to the Bills offense. And that just should happen. Like, uh, you know, if, if you force a turnover, then it's a turnover. I mean, that's just that, that's just the rule. So that was something that kind of unfortunate happened. Like I said, I, I don't I don't think we would have necessarily won the game based on our inability to stop the run. But I think it would have been closer if instances like that would have gone the other way. There was it seemed like there was like maybe four or five small instances like that where they could have been a momentum changer or something, and it just didn't happen. Well, and that's the thing. I. I, I... Uh, the one of the things from this that we learned is let James cook. That's the thing that they kept bringing up. I'm I'm really enjoying watching him as a running back, being kind of fluid and stuff. We have um, was it Latavius Murray that he's kind of the smash mouth uh, running back. He's one of the longest tenured players on the team that will just force it in there and lower his shoulder and just push through. But um, yeah, it sounds you know, like watching, your style. Yeah, but watching uh, somebody who's like, yeah, that is my style. Is very smash mouth, very, uh, very brutish when necessary. But it's act- it's what nice to watch somebody who's actually skilled and <laughs> who's more of a fluid running back and seeing how far they're going. And but I uh, also seeing him, he was contacted what about three yards out on the one running play, and then they pushed him another ten yards at a thirteen yard play. I saw that, yeah. That's and, I, I like seeing those kinds of plays. I don't know if like the Eagles have inspired people to. That, that after you get that initial contact to try to keep pushing forward, obviously they give you all of your forward progress, but it's, it's kind of fun to see regardless of teams. When you see a big scrum of big, a big pile of men all pushing and pushing into each right. other. It's definitely but fun to see. Right. But don't, don't, don't compare the bills to the filthy Eagles. That's, that's <laughs> awful. No, they, they've, they've done that for, uh, they've done that for a while. Um, that's been part of the offense, but seeing some of the some of the defensive and offensive plays and stuff it was fun to watch them go and and I will admit I will admit that Josh Allen had less to do 
with the win this week. I won't uh, I won't try to die on that hill defending him like Dak Prescott when uh, they win with a bunch of field goals. So uh, it, it was interesting. You have it the was... best kicker in the league, too. We have a lot going for us. Well, you have to when you can't finish <laughs> well, finish well, why not what's what's the difference um, between winning with kicks and winning with throws a win's a win right well if a win if a win's a win then i'm happy on our performance this past sunday you so. is, uh, be happy and it was a good it was a good game for you uh jason it being a fan of neither team watching it i'm a fan because i'm friends with you guys but i, f- I feel like you're a divorce counselor <laughs> I f- that's kind of what i feel like <laughs> I'm not even a marriage counselor, but a full-on divorce counselor. Where it's like, I'm going to help you make this a civil divorce. $300 an hour, fellas. This will uh, be John's second divorce. <laughs> but wa- watching know, that, it, That's true it, in real life, Jake, so I don't know if you like meant to hurt me. <laughs> I, I was talking about your podcast life. Oh, These are podcast Oh, divorces. it's my second podcast divorce. It's yeah, so hard was... to keep all of you straight. <laughs> now, Jake, we don't say negative things, okay? <laughs> Use I yeah. statements, but watching it, I mean, the, the only thing that was that was really, in my opinion, clicking was Cook, you know, Cook's runs. I mean, obviously, there wasn't a lot of passing, um, you know, obviously with with Allen, um, but it was a fun game to watch just because you had the weather, you had all of this shit, and obviously, leading up from our last illegal shift, I was excited for the game because I couldn't wait for this episode to listen to you two idiots. Thank you. Uh, no, I, I, I actually love weather games. Um, there's some rationale behind it. Like, I don't know if you guys remember when the bears and the Colts went to the Super Bowl and it was like one of the worst games ever. That was, you know, maybe mm. 20 years ago, maybe close to that. So I, but I, I like, I always like watching highlights from Buffalo. Cause it's like, I like it when they have to like stop the game every 10 minutes and have all the men like go out with snow, snow throwers <laughs> down there, all the yard lines. There's probably you, some women out there too. Probably some women, yes. Why? Well, you know, I don't know how progressive <laughs> Buffalo is. I've never been there, but uh, I I like them, and I like seeing guys play in the snow. But that said, it, you know, uh, you, you hate to see the weather really out affect the outcome of the of the game when you really you know the wind's so important for, for everything that you're going for. But uh, with that in mind, you also have to play. You have to play well enough that the that you beat the weather, that you beat the other team, and sometimes you beat your, beat the refs. You should make you should win so well that the refs aren't even a factor. Unfortunately, I think that the refs were a factor for the Cowboys. Like I said, they should have been able to overcome that, and it just didn't happen. But, you know, um, Jake, looking ahead to the rest of the season, are you guys going to be able to beat the Patriots? I mean, the Patriots kicked the shit out of you earlier this year. So it's like you've got to play them and the Dolphins to even make a make a uh, run towards the playoffs. What are, you, what are you looking forward to, if anything? Well, we also have uh... – post Tom Brady a winning record against the Patriots. I don't I don't think that's going to be an issue, especially with the way they've been playing. Um, they're certainly not going to underestimate teams, which is what I think might have happened a little bit with Mike McCarthy with his scheme was not not to uh, give the respect to the running game um, that I don't think it was I don't to. think it was a respect issue. I think they were honestly set it up be, to go to force Allen to throw the ball. I, I think their whole defensive mm. scheme didn't account for the weather. I think that their whole scheme was we're Allen's so so prone to throw interceptions that we're going to put a, a big pass rush on him and he's going to just have, have a day of just throwing it to our corners all day and our safeties. That's what I figured would happen. I think that's what the defensive scheme was. I don't think it has anything to do with with disrespect, I think people under I think the Cowboys understand what James Cook can do, but we haven't been good against the run in general. And mm. James Cook's been doing that to people all season. So I don't think it's a disrespect issue. Well, well, and and to please Keith, our counselor, um, I, I do look forward to um, hopefully playing the Cowboys again in the championship game. I think that would be fun. And like I said before, we call it the Super the record, Bowl. I know that you've never the been Super there. Bowl. I don't know the name no, of I it. Know. But... <laughs> We've been there. I was just, I was very small. I was still like I eating crayons yes, at, at that point. Four times. Very, yes. Very, very small. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot, there should be a lot of mutual respect between the teams. I think it's going to be interesting moving forward. I'd like to see them go again. And like you said, you know, the Cowboys clinched uh, their playoff berth with a, a loss this week. And the Bills, I will say, overgoing, uh, beating now the Chiefs and the Cowboys, they went from 14% to 77% to be in the playoffs. It's not um, it's not like written in stone that we're going to be in there yet, but yeah. 
we don't control our destiny, but they show that they were playing every, it's a one game season for them. And they really yeah. are playing that way. They're, they're preparing for each opponent. It's one the at a time. Now, yeah. yeah. And I think uh, it's fun to watch. I think they're playing some of their best football. I wish uh, a lot of our guys are healthy. I do. There are a few people that aren't able to play um, that I wish would, because I feel like they're going to make a, uh, a really long season this year. I think they're going to continue to build on this and I, I'm expecting good things. And I don't think the Cowboys are going to be after this, that they're going to wash out for the rest of the season. I think that um, the next couple games, they're going to do fairly well. Um, I kind of wish they would rest a few guys and make a really good push through the, through the um, playoffs. But I don't think they'll do that. There's too much well, money if, if and the Eagles, politics and stuff in there. If the Eagles had won and we were just definitely not going to win the division, I think that's definitely what we would do. I think we would rest just the way out. Uh, we have a couple key players that are out, and I think we would rest the rest of them. I mean, you know, there's no point in, in killing yourself. We also can't uh, break our season best record with this loss. Now that we're 10 and four, the best season we've ever had was 13 and three. So it's like, we don't even have that record to go for. Uh, you know, we, you and I've been talking about this actually all season. You and I talked on Patreon before about it, the Cowboys and the bills have sort of been locked into this destiny spiral all season long. Mm. And the, the bills kind of fell out of that for a little while, but here we go again, like both you and me to, to reach our ultimate goal. We have to de- defeat the Miami Dolphins. So, uh, yeah. good luck to you and, and good Which luck. Which we have. You. So, I, I feel good about it. I think that's going to be, I think they're going on a run, and I think that's going to be one hell of a game to watch. And either way it goes, um, it's going to be fucking exciting. I think I'm going to take that day off for sure so I can uh, I can well, down Christmas. a 12-pack. It's, it's Christmas Eve that the Cowboys are playing them, so I, I've taken that day off. But you know what? We've really monopolized our, our counselor's time. I want to I want to turn over the rest of the time just to just to uh, Jason, and I want to I want to talk about uh, you know what's uh, what's going on with the Bengals because you had that overtime win versus Minnesota. You had uh, Jake Browning saying, "Hey, you should have never cut me." Uh, how good are you feeling about the Bengals? What are your prospects for the postseason? How how did that overtime win feel? Uh, it, it you know what's funny is it, it mimicked the exact game at well, it was Paul Brown Stadium now it's Paycor Stadium two years ago that Rob and I went to against the Vikings, went in overtime, same exact score, like it was it was almost you know complete mirror match to that game. But I mean Brown Browning getting excited. And throwing his helmet down and, and saying, you know, the Vikings should have never cut him. He he did kind of double back and say, hey, look, it's a different coaching staff and there's a lot of good people in the building. You know, it said all the things that he was supposed to say after the fact. But on the field, I mean, when you got Money Mac kicking field goals the way he does, I mean, it was it was an exciting game back and forth. And, you know, I, obviously you get nervous. We lost, you know, DJ Reader for the year, which is going to hurt on our defensive side. Um Jamar Chase is going to be out this week with a separated shoulder. I think it's worse than what they're leading on. But, I mean, we'll see. But we got the Steelers this week. The Steelers are garbage. The Bengals can play like garbage, but then they can also play very, very well. But that's, you know, that's our big, that's our biggest rivalry. You know, they beat us, they beat us once. So hopefully we get a little bit of revenge this week. I'm, I'm confident that we will we will get a wild card spot. I mean, we're not going to, obviously we're not going to overtake the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens are just a very, very good team as well as the Browns. I mean, the Browns, the AFC North is just so tough, but I, I mean, I'm proud of how my team has done with, you know, with the injuries that we've had, you know, and some of the games that we played. I mean, the first three Burroughs should have even started in my opinion with this, with his calf injury, but they did that. But I mean, they battled back and, and Browning, like I said, on I think it was our last show. I mean, I didn't think Browning was the guy, but I mean, he's, he's pretty good. You know, for for being a backup that I didn't know much about, you know, it's I'm happy with his play, and just hopefully we can keep, you know, T. Higgins healthy, Tyler Boyd healthy, get Trenton Irwin some more, you know, some more passes. Without you know, without Chase, we're going to need to do something. But yeah. we'll see. Saturday's going to be it's going to be interesting. It's uh, kind of the year of the backups. I'm not sure that we broke last year's records with uh, having backup starting, but Browning is definitely putting on a show. You kind of got to feel good for the guy, good and bad at the same time, because it's like 
if he does really well, he could do great things for the Bengals. You'd like to see a, a deep postseason run, possibly, you know, I mean, a, a story of stories, kind of a Nick Foles uh, Eagle situation where, he, you know, they could go all the way and win the Super Bowl, hypothetically. But then, you know, Jake Browning is this guy that you like, but then you hate to see him go, right? If he plays so well that he, he's bound to get a starting position, you know, somewhere in the NFL. Right. Uh, so you you want good things for him, but you kind of just want it. I don't know. You kind of want to want to keep it for yourself, but it's it's hard to have uh, a good backup. I remember I felt good when Andy Dalton came and was backing up the Cowboys. I'm like, I I like Andy Dalton, you know. And but the, I hope it doesn't come up that we have to to play him. And then <laughs> sure enough, Dak Prescott like tore his foot off, and then it was the Andy Dalton season after that. And you know, Andy Dalton, you know, at this point in his career, 500 like the the most you can ask of the guys. But but Jake Browning seems to be. Seems to be doing pretty well. I didn't get your takes on on who's going to win all this week. There's not a lot of marquee games this week. Uh, do you think the Lions are going to beat the Vikings? I think they can. I think they can win the NFC North for the first time ever if they do this. So you think they're up to beating them? I I think yeah. I think the Lions definitely beat the Vikings. That's it, it's going to be exciting in, in more ways than one. First of all, just for Lions fans, but also the Lions winning their division is uh, mentioned specifically in the Book of Revelation as a sign of the end of days. So it's like, you know, we're going to see like uh, the moon turn red and earthquakes open up and the sea being drained. You know, those are kind of the next things that happen after the Lions win. So I'm kind of excited to see that happening. The Lions have never won their division. The last time they won their division, excuse me, it was the NFC Central. So it would definitely be interesting to see uh, what they could do. I think Dan Campbell's a really cool coach. I kind of wish he was my coach sometimes. Kind of like how you wish someone else's dad at soccer practice was your dad. It's kind of like that some days. Uh, so, I mean, I but I, I want to see nice things for the Lions just because it's it's never happened. And, I you know, it's just be kind of a cool story to see them kind of go from uh, Dan Campbell's story of of having such incredible losses, and then they had then they had a tie, and, and now they're they're kind of went to winning ways. So it's fun to see. Browns Texans, I think, will be an interesting game. I'm, for some reason, they're showing the Browns where I live, which makes no sense. I'm enjoying watching Joe Flacco go out there and win. I really enjoyed watching them uh, beat the Bears in bonus coverage this week, particularly in the game that it, it almost ended in a, in a game winning reception, but didn't. Uh, and that that should that's, that should have been caught. Should have, you know, it's, it's one of those, and it's just like with uh, the Cowboys, and not to draw a direct comparison because we wouldn't have won the game either way. But I'm saying, like, he closes his arms on that one play, like it's a it's a game of of, of milliseconds and fractions of inches where it completely changed the outcome of that game, and that's why I love football. Um, I don't want to see good things happen for the Bears, though. So it was kind of fun to see the Browns win. Okay. I'm not accustomed to seeing the Browns on TV, so every time I see them, I'm like, who? Which college team is this? Uh, <laughs> The Browns, uh, I you know, and seeing the stadium full of people is always weird. Actually, uh, you and I were talking about how the Panthers had no one come to their game versus the Falcons, that the stadium was basically empty. Tickets going for 45 cents, free beer. Nobody was there in a divisional game in the NFC South. Uh, nobody showed up. I thought that was very sad. So you even see the, the Cleveland Browns, you know, filling up their stadium, and it, it just says something. But they've started four quarterbacks uh, this year who have had wins. Uh, it looks like they're kind of poised to uh, go to – uh, the playoffs as well, which I would like to see just because it's the Browns. But uh, the, here's a weird question for both of you guys, because I'm, I'm not used to seeing the Browns on TV. Is it just me or do the Browns, from a uniform standpoint, they look really good? Am I the yeah. only one on earth who thinks that? They have like a really classic look about them. I, I think that's the right term, too. It's it's classic. They, look, I like the, they look like a 1947 team, Jake. I like the, I like the, mat, the mat helmet. With yeah. like the the shiny the shiny stripe, yeah, Jake. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a little less a uh, little less fashion conscious, I guess. To you guys, uh, you have to be if with, as a as a with, Buffalo fan when you when your team looks like a third of all NFL teams. I could understand that when your when your logo looks like a turkey drumstick. I could understand why you're not so into that. Well, I'm a little more into the play, a little less into the tight uniforms. That's that's just kind of where I, I fall both. on. Look it, at those but, Browns. Uh, Watch some Joe Flacco covered. <laughs> check 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 out check out what he's getting under center. Specific, there. If you like what you see. Specifically, which part of Joe Flacco are you talking about? Are you them. are you like full on Jerry Jones? Jerry Dude. Jones, you're trying to go back to the glory hole days. Is that is that what you're trying to? I don't even to? know what you're referencing, but I'm offended. Uh, <laughs> I, I was I, I was going to. I was going to go no as John Smith the beard because Flacco literally, because because he literally just came off a couch, looks like 
Mm-hmm. He just put his beer down and showed up to the stadium. He's not playing like he just came off the couch. That guy's playing really well. And oh, I, I the other thing is, too, you know, since the Ravens don't, they seem to have, like, no gratitude in their hearts for Joe Flacco at all. It's just fun to see him going out there and, and uh, playing for the other team. Uh, well, and, see, and Speaking of like playing a, for the other team, go ahead, Jake. He's like a straight-up murderer, too. Did you see his face at the end of that game? Like, zero yeah. expression. I'm like, he got off the couch. It's very possible there's, like, an industrial freezer with a bunch of bodies in it. I'm already uh, annihilated right his family. And this is going to be the right. greatest true crime documentary ever. Like, <laughs> Joe Burrow murders his family and then goes out and uh, wins the AFC Championship for the Browns. He, he had nowhere else to go. He, he had to vacate the scene, so he went to Cleveland. <laughs> Look, looking back on it, we all should have known, seeing him on the sidelines, you know, we're all going to see that footage right. through kind of a new light, knowing that, yeah, his family's in a bunch of refrigerators. Um, I don't know. Weird take. It's just I don't ever get to see the Browns. So that when, I, when I saw them, I thought that was kind of a cool look. They're the only team that never really adopted a logo. They have Brownie the Elf, which really makes no sense. It makes zero um, sense. Uh, Good job to the Seahawks for winning against the Eagles. I was uh, watching the game while at work with an Eagles fan, and I got to I got to level up uh, watching his pain as the game slipped away from him. He was sure at one point they would win, and I said to him, but God is uh, real, and he's active in this world, and there's no chance that he's going to let the evil that is the Philadelphia Eagles simply go unchecked. He has a tolerance for sin, but it's not an unlimited tolerance, and uh, God is going to cut the Eagles down. Sure enough, that is exactly what happened. It was exciting to see. You got the Chiefs and the Raiders. Probably the Chiefs are going to win that. Broncos and Patriots, probably Broncos, which will be good for Russell Wilson since he's getting yelled at. It'd be nice to see him. Uh, <laughs> he'll get, he is getting berated like he's 12 years old. He'll he'll get ungrounded if he can win this week. And then uh, probably the only big game is probably 49ers-Ravens, which I'm angry about because like there's a conspiracy theory going around that uh, – you know, the colors in the logo for the Super Bowl indicate which teams will be playing. It's been that case uh, the last couple of years. And this year we have a red and purple logo for the Super Bowl. So a replay of the Harbaugh Bowl or the Harbaugh. It'll be interesting to see who wins that. Uh, I have a lot of takes. Uh, I'll let you guys uh, kind of round it out. Uh, Jake, do you have a joke to take us out with? Uh, yes, this one's for uh, Kiefer because it's our, you know, for the fourth show. I kind of alluded to it last week, but uh what did the Vikings fan do after they the Vikings won the Super Bowl? Ooh. Such a hypothetical. Oh, I don't know the answer. I know. I he turned know. off his PlayStation 4. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very good. I have a I have a joke uh, to Will, bring Will Gray will lose his mind over that one, by the way. Will. I have I have a joke, uh, I have a funny joke. A funny, funny joke down the show as well. Buffalo Bills winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Kiefer, uh, last takes for you. <laughs> Glad to be here. Sorry I wasn't exuberant with energy, but uh, this is always always a good time. I love breaking this stuff down and, and coming up with you know these these good stories and getting the takes from you guys. I mean, they're they're giving us they're giving us so much ammunition to be able to, to be able to do this. So it's perfect. Yeah, it is. I, I really enjoyed doing this. Merry Christmas to both you guys. I know you guys yeah, both same. have families. Uh, uh, I, I'm intending on doing a show next week, although we don't have to. I think we'll kind of play it by ear just to see how we're all feeling. Uh, maybe we'll feel uh, feel up to it. There's going to be a lot of football action uh, next week. We're even going to have games on Christmas Eve and Christmas, so it seems kind of wrong to take it off. But I won't commit uh, my, my co-host here. Thank you guys, both of you, for uh, joining me on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, Jake, I appreciate you. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for showing up and being ready to to feed the fans uh, what they thought would be a crow or humble pie to me. However, I don't have to be humble because I'm a fan of the greatest team on the face of the earth, America's team. Go Cowboys. All I right. Need you, need you guys, I need you guys to both write in your journals, and I need to see the journal entries. We'll, we'll both bring the journal entries for our next <laughs> counseling session. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, folks. Uh, guns up. Giddy up. Good night, America. Go Cowboys. <laughs>